Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. Uh, we are a little shorthanded this morning. Unfortunately, Josh and Jonathan aren't able to be here, but Phil is with me in the studio this morning. Phil, how are you? Doing great. And uh, tell you what, the way, the way we can uh, work this this morning is I'll speak for Jonathan and you speak for Josh. That's, that's and good. And it'll be just like there's four here. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. We we are a little bit concerned about Josh um, in the fact that he this is his topic, and he was here when we began it, and just as it's going to shift to a little bit more controversial, edgy side of things, he um, has decided to take a couple-week break from the studio. Was this something thought out and plotted and planned. My my wasn't this convenient. <laughs> anyway. So we we'll, had been starting this topic dealing with the relationship between the church and the state. And um, we've been doing so by looking at a, a book by a man by the name of Bannerman called The Church of Christ. It's a thousand-page book. Um, Bannerman was a Scotsman, um, wrote in the 1800s. And you might think, well, what does that have to do with anything? How is that even relevant for today? Um, surprisingly, the, the principles that Bannerman sets forth in his book still, um, because they're based upon God's Word, they transcend time. Mm-hmm. So the principles are there. Now, what they look like and how we apply them in time and space are going to differ. And that's actually where we're at today and for the next several days is just applying the principles. So we're just going to quickly review... Basically, Bannerman's position is this, that God has ordained the state, government, ruling authorities. No one rules outside of God's sovereign will. At the same time, God has ordained those that serve and have authority within the church. And what he's going to say is each of those have different spheres and different um commissions, if you will, callings by God. Mm -hmm. And so the state is, the classic verses on this is Romans 13, that God has set them in place to provide protection and care um, for those underneath of them, that they are to, they wield the sword to provide order for society. The church, their role is different. Now, I haven't read the book um, the City of God by Augustine. Have you read that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that is, in essence, Augustine's framework. I'll let you talk. I've only dabbled in City of God. You've read it, so. Sure, sure. It has been many years ago, but uh, Augustine was one of the first to to deal with this back in the fourth century. And, um, well, I shouldn't say one of the first, because obviously the Apostle Paul um, deals with the relation between uh, church and state. Um, but... The, the context that Augustine was writing in, and I just, just very briefly, 
was the, 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 the crumbling, the collapse of the Roman Empire. And uh, Christians had come by that point. Uh, this is long after, by the time of Augustine, is long after uh, Constantine and the official recognition of Christianity in the empire. And in fact, uh, Christianity, by the time of, of Augustine, Christianity is the religion of the empire. Then when the empire begins to collapse and the, and the city of Rome itself was sacked by the Visigoths, kind of, it was kind of the unimaginable. The, the, that was, it, it exposed, what, but what happened was, in, in the relation between church and state, what happened was when the city of Rome was sacked by the Visigoths, Christians around the empire panicked. And Augustine saw that and said, why are we panicking because of a political crisis. Where is our hope? Uh, where does our security lie? And that's when he wrote City of God, contrasting the, the city of God with the city of man, the uh, city of God being eternal, the city of man being uh, temporal. Uh, but anyway, that's probably more than you wanted to hear about City of God. It's not, because I'm a, I was actually a history major in, in college, so I find all of this fascinating. I was actually in a conversation with my son, who's more into the sciences, but he is, to fulfill a credit, taking an ancient history class, really specifically dealing with the Greek and Roman eras. Oh, good for him. And he is in this class, which is basically what most history majors would take. So he was calling to tell me, that he was in this class with all of these history geeks. And I'm like, well, you're, you're talking my language. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he will, in the end, either read or at least dabble in some of the reading of the City of God. But even that work, I mean, that's on my short list of my next books that I want to read, um, just because, A, it's a classic, but B, I think many of the principles Augustine laid down in that book are, just like Bannerman's, are still applicable to the Absolutely. church today. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, where we left off, I know you remember this because you hang on every word that we say, um, where we left off was that in this relationship between the church and the state, oftentimes one of two errors can happen. And what that those errors are is you either have that you place the church's power underneath the power of the state, so um, the state has control over the church. And so you've, we've seen this in history when you have, quote-unquote, state churches. We still have state churches in the world today. Um, the other error is when you try to put the state's power underneath the church. Mm -hmm. And that was actually um, a large part of what we refer to as the Middle Ages um, with the Roman Catholic Church trying to assert authority over the different um, state powers. So you have right. seen both of those errors in in history. So that's where we left off. So then Bannerman goes on to say that there are essentially three ways that the state oversteps its authority in the church. One, when the state presumes to dictate to the church the doctrine that she can or cannot teach. Two, when the state unduly interferes with the state's obligation to worship in the gathered assembly in word and sacrament. And three, when the state imposes its own ideas of membership, of inclusion or exclusion upon the church. Okay, so those three. 
they tell the church what they can or cannot teach. They tell the church basically how or they can worship. And then third, they try to meddle in membership. So, Phil, do you agree with these these three? Well, I <clears throat> I think Bannerman shows shows us a lot of wisdom here. Um, that um, now some of these well, and let's let's just take the first one. He says that the state oversteps its authority in the church when number one, the state presumes to dictate to the church the doctrine that she can or cannot teach, and um, listeners. Uh, may be thinking, well, boy, that's, you know, that's, that's never happened. Uh, but, uh, just a few, just a few years ago in one of our great American cities in the city of Dallas, the mayor demanded that local pastors turn in sermons to be reviewed. Now she, there was significant pushback about that and they were particular issues going on the mayor there was, was concerned about, but wanted to exercise some authority over the church and the content of pastor's sermons. And it was very, very stiff pushback, and, and the mayor uh, lost that fight. Uh, but it goes on. It goes on today. In the 1930s in Germany, the, what's called the German Christian movement, which was not Christian at all in the so-called German Christian movement, the Nazis attempted to move in and, and frankly, tragically, were largely successful in taking over the church in Germany. Uh, this is uh, obviously during the rise of Nazism during the 1930s, but in many churches, uh, crosses were removed and replaced with swastikas. Uh, Jesus was proclaimed to not be—Jesus wasn't really Jewish, he was really Aryan. And in response to that— three theologians came together and wrote one of the great theological documents of the 20th century called the Barman Declaration. That, And I'm quoting as closely as I can. I don't have it in front of me, but it said, Jesus Christ is the one word of God whom we will hear and whom we must obey. And we reject the false doctrine uh, that we must listen to the state as a source of teaching for the church. And uh, the Barman Declaration still stands as, um, <clears throat> and I, I, I really uh, recommend it. You can Google it and, and read, the, read the Barman Declaration. But um, this isn't so far removed. I mean, you, you cited the, uh, the situation in Dallas, but this has been going on in Canada here in the last oh, yeah. several years. In yeah. essence, if, if pastors are preaching the biblical truth about uh, homosexuality— yes. They'll get in trouble for hate speech. That's right. And they're simply teaching um, what the Bible position on homosexuality right. has always been. Right. And, and I don't want to be paranoid, but there are, uh, there are those in this country who would like to, who, who believe that the teaching of churches should be censored, and particularly around the, the, the issue of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Not just that, but other issues, and there, there are there are those who would really like for us to become Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have the First Amendment that uh, protects us, uh, but uh, I think one of the things that that Bannerman's teaching gets at is that we need to be vigilant in maintaining this proper division of authority 
that the church, or rather the state, and this was our point one, the state has no teaching authority in the church, period. Mm-hmm. And the church, and the, the, rather the state, oversteps its God-given bounds when it purports to teach doctrine that the church can rightly, uh, rightly teach. Now, the second one we're going to come back to, this is when it interferes with the church's obligation to worship. Um, and we're going to, we have some later questions that are going to, to deal with this. We'll deal with this in tomorrow's show. Um, but I just want to briefly, in our remaining time here, deal with the third one, when the state imposes its own, its own ideas of membership. Now, this is a little bit different um, because our setting today, we don't have this. Um, but if you, your sense of, of U.S. history would tell you that this was one of the reasons why many came over here to begin with, was this sense of religious freedom, yes. specifically um, this idea that the state should not be in charge of the membership roles of the of the church. Um, this actually got Calvin in trouble when he first was in Geneva, right? Because um, basically he took on the 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 political authorities of the town of uh, that they couldn't impose things about how communion was and discipline issues for membership in the church. Right. Um, and that got Calvin in a whole host of, of trouble because basically Calvin was saying, no, that's not your area. We're the church, right. you're the state, and these are separate. So we don't have, I don't think, and Phil can correctly, I don't know how much this is happening in, in the United States today where they're meddling in membership, but it has historically been something that happens. Yeah, and I don't see that going on today. Uh, but we'll return to this tomorrow. And uh, we've been talking about uh, the teaching of Bannerman on the relation between church and state and spheres of authority. Thanks for joining us on the Gospel for Life, and we hope to have you back tomorrow. 